Thanks, Nancy. Am I on, Steve? Good. Amazing. I just want to say something about you. Amy is a woman of incredible integrity. She is a complete inspiration to me. She, I don't even think half of you would believe what she does. She's like some kind of superhuman. And she is a carrier of hope. No, seriously. She is a complete carrier of hope. She just sees things with kingdom goggles. She doesn't see things the way we do. A lot of us do. Amy, you're an inspiration. And I love you. And you're a blessing to these ladies. Love you. Thank you, Natty. Um, I, have a little, I have a few confessions quickly. I'm really sorry. Um, I haven't washed my hair for a while, so this morning um, I was like, oh, I haven't finished the message. I need to wash my hair. Dirty hair. So about, about five years ago, um, I was up in kids' church and I was sorting some stuff out up there and I had an, one of our old youth kids, Louis de Villiers, he was helping me spray paint something on the wall and I'd had the same kind of morning where I hadn't had time to wash my hair so I'd baby powdered. And um, he came up and he said to me, Ames, you're grey. <laughs> I was like... <sighs> and there were like these clouds of <laughs> powder. <laughs> it wasn't the Holy Spirit, it was just like baby powder. Um, so that's the one thing. Uh, if I look grey, I'm really sorry. And the other thing is that I was bursting to wee. I still am. And I went into the bathroom for a comfort break. Thank you, Terry. And um, I'm wired up. <laughs> and I'm wearing Spanx. And I'm wearing a onesie. And nothing just would work. So I was like, I'm just bursting to wee. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, so. Right. Okay, we're good. <sighs> okay, I'm really excited. It's just so good to be in a room with gorgeous, gorgeous women. So I just want to say happy Women's Day. Um, yeah, and you girls are beautiful, and I'm really excited for today. Thank you for taking the time to come and join us. Okay, I'm going to start with a story. So there was once a town high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by springs that were old as the earth and deep as the sea. The water was clear like crystal. Children laughed and played beside it. Swans and and geese swam on it. You could see the rocks and the sand and the rainbow's trout that swarmed at the bottom of the stream. High in the hills, far beyond anyone's sight, lived an old man who served as keeper of the springs. He had been hired so long ago that no one could remember a time when he was not there. He would travel from one spring to another in the hills, removing branches or fallen leaves or debris that might pollute the water, but his work was unseen. One year, the town council decided they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the old man anyway. They had roads to repair and taxes to collect and services to offer, and giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury that no one could actually afford. So the man left his post, high in the mountains, The springs went untended. Twigs and branches, and worse, muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm waste turned part of the stream into stagnant bogs. For a time, no one in the village noticed, but after a while, the water was not the same as it used to be. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away to live somewhere else. The water no longer had a crisp scent that drew the children to play near it. Some people in the town began to grow ill. All noticed the loss of sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks of the streams that fed the town. The life of the village depended on the stream, and the life of the streams depended on the keeper. 
The city council reconvened. The money was found. The old man was rehired. After yet another time, the springs were cleaned. The stream was pure. Children played again on its banks. Illness was replaced by health. The swans came home, and the village came back to life. The life of the village depends on the health of the stream. The village is your community. The stream is your soul, and you are the keeper of your soul. Ladies, this morning, I, um, when Nats told me what she was feeling to share over the course of today and tomorrow with the women who gather for Wholehearted, when she said to me that she wanted to go after integrity, um, it is such a powerful and incredibly beautiful word, and it's something that I personally really hunger after. I want, to, I want more than anything to have a life of integrity. And um, having a life of integrity is actually hard. It's not easy because it means that your inside world has to match up with your outside world. And I think potentially a lot of us don't maybe understand that the inside world is actually governed by something called the soul. We're actually a soul. Every person in this room is a soul. And the soul is actually different to the spirit. They're not the same thing. And I think sometimes when people hear the word soul, they think the soul is something fleshly or ungodly. But the soul was created by God. The soul has a heavenly inheritance. It has a godly purpose. In fact, in Genesis 2-7, this is how a soul came about. God formed man out of the dirt from the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. The man came alive. He was a living soul. The word soul from the Hebrew word, it comes from the Hebrew word nefesh, and from the Greek word psyche, which is actually where we get the word psychologist. Psychologists, actually, side note, they're actually therapists of the soul, doctors of the soul. But I think a lot of that has been lost in modern day culture today. So we have the soul. Thank you, Sarah, for my board. God created the soul. His intention. He breathed life. And we have the spirit. I'm just taking artistic, um, what's the right word? License, thank you. Um, this is not going to be in your Bible anyway, so don't try and find it, Jesus. I hope you don't mind. But um, just for the purposes of helping us to understand, maybe I find visuals are quite helpful. God creates a living soul, man and woman. But he gives us his spirit. But in order for us to live a life led by the spirit, we have to submit our soul to the spirit. We have the will. The will is our ability to say yes and no. It's what really makes us human, and sometimes it's what a lot of us really struggle with. Sometimes I feel like I wish God hadn't given me a will, where I didn't have to choose a yes or a no to some stuff. But God, in his incredible generosity, gave us a will so that we could choose him out of our own desire. That's our will. Then we have our mind. Um, our mind is where our ability to reason, our ability to think, where we interpret our feelings, our logic, that is our mind. And then we have our body. Our body houses this incredible creation that allows us to interpret the world around us in a physical sense. So our ability to sense, our ability to move. So the will and the mind actually move through the body. 
Does that make sense? All of those things we could kind of term these self. I think sometimes people misplace the word soul for self or self for soul. You know, when we're, when we're living for ourselves, we're living to please the will, the mind, or the body, selfish living, living to please ourselves. But God has given us a soul. He's given us, it's almost like if you were to imagine your computer, it's an operating system, like an iOS or a Windows. So you don't actually really notice that your soul is there and this is a problem, it messes up or there's a bug. That's when all of a sudden you notice, hey, something's wrong with my soul. Something's coming apart. The evangelist Vance Hafner wrote this. If you don't come apart for a while, you will come apart in a while. If you don't come apart in a while, you're going to come apart in a while. And um, I had this really, I've had the, a really crazy few weeks and... Um, I've really been battling with the state of my soul. Starting to kind of just feel like there was so much busyness, so much to get done, so much to get through. I wasn't feeling really connected to Jesus the last few weeks. God was there, but he kind of felt like he was in the background. And I felt like what Vance Hafner said there, I felt like I was starting to come apart because I hadn't come apart for a while. You know, the soul... He wants it to be an integrity, a place of integrity. He wants it to come into alignment. He wants it to be under the submission, the rule and the reign of your soul to be under the submission of your spirit. And you know, when that happens, our insides match up to our outsides. And I think that's when we really tap into the purpose for which he created us, the inheritance and the legacy that he has designed for us, when our soul has integrity, when we line up with his word and with the Father heart of God, we tap into what we were created for. Dallas Willard says, said this, an unhealthy soul is one that experiences disintegration, where there is a disconnection, a brokenness between the entities. He said, anytime you want to care for something, you have to understand the parts that make up the whole. If a car is fueled, oiled, aligned, it's been checked, it's capable of doing amazing things and going amazing distances. But if you don't understand its parts and how they work, it will show and you won't go very far. As such, it's terribly important that we understand the parts of our inner life. Each one must be healthy and working as God intended for it to work. There's this woman that I know, and she's a mom. She has two children, she's married. Her husband works really, really hard and she's got a desire to make her home beautiful. But often her desire to make it beautiful, she, she kind of really wants it to be perfect. And her husband works really hard so he's not really a, around a lot to help at home. So she doesn't mean to, but there's this sense of resentment that grows in her sometimes for his lack of of being around and his busyness. She feels like she's on her own. And then sometimes she's got this like under the surface level of frustration with her kids because her kids don't live up to what she hopes they will sometimes. You know, in class they underperform and sometimes she feels like their lack of performance in class kind of is a little bit of a mirror on herself and who she is. So she gets, starts to get a little bit frustrated and niggly with them. And she doesn't really confront her husband or her children about it because she doesn't really like confrontation. You know, she's, 
but more of a passive person. And she's always been a gorgeous woman, and as she started to get a little bit older, um, you know, we age and change, and we get a little bit more of roundness to ourselves. She's got a little bit more round. But her beauty and her appearance was one of the things that she could kind of always put her confidence in, and she started to kind of resent now the way that she looks as well. She's frustrated that she isn't what she used to look like. And so in the evening, sometimes she started to drink a little bit more, just like half a glass, an extra half a glass. And when she's with her friends, she gossips about some of her other friends, not because she's a mean person. Do you know what's happened? Her soul has started to disintegrate. And I know that there are parts of her that I can sometimes relate to. Because if I'm not careful, if I don't steward my soul so well, my soul comes out of a place of integrity. It starts to disintegrate. All the parts that are supposed to work together, that are supposed to be in complete submission to the will and the word of God, they get lost. And I'm the only one who can keep my soul. No, we're limited virtually in every way. We're limited in our intelligence and our energy and what we're capable of doing. We're limited by the number of days we have on this earth. But the one thing we're not limited by, and I find this so interesting, is we're not limited by our desire. Actually, I don't know how many of you have thought of this before, but we actually have unlimited desire. <laughs> so um, I really love chuckles, and um, I can buy a bag of chuckles, and I can have a few chuckles, and I can want some more chuckles, and I can want some more chuckles, I can get to the bottom of the bag, and then there's no more chuckles left. And if it wasn't half past ten at night, my will would make me drive to the shop and get another bag of chuckles. Because I want more chuckles. Because I want more. Because I have unlimited desire for something that feeds my appetite. I've got some cute shoes. I really wanted to wear sneakers today, but I was. Um, we've been, all the speakers have been blessed phenomenally. Catherine Kidger has allowed us to wear these gorgeous pieces. So um, if you know her or if you see her, please give her lots of from us. We're really, really grateful. They are gorgeous. Um, and I really wanted to wear sneakers, but I was told I couldn't wear sneakers. Anyway, so I love shoes. I love like pretty flowery sneakers. And I've got these cute shoes. But if I see another pair of cute shoes, I would really like more cute shoes. Like, I just really would like another pair of cute shoes, you know? And Gracie, this, this thing for more can really roll out in so many places in all of our lives. Gracie's six. She says to me yesterday, um, Mom, I love that Dad's a pastor, but... Um, all right, let me backtrack. So she has probably about 25 stuffed animals, and she always wants another stuffed animal. So if you go into a shop and there's a stuffed animal, she wants another one. Okay, so like we've got like 10 unicorns and 10 kitty cats and squishmallows and whatever. And then she said to me yesterday, um, no, I love that Dad's a pastor. He must still be a pastor, but I'd also like him to be a lint chocolatier master, a gymnastics coach, a pilot, still a pastor, but then I'd really like him to be a stuffed animal maker. The reason she wants Ross to be a stuffed animal maker is because she wants more. 
my gorgeous little six-year-old. And I mean, she basically doesn't need a mattress because she sleeps on her stuffed animals. She uses one as a pillow. She is experiencing that her will is craving more. She's got, and yet she wants more. You know, my husband, bless his soul, he's coming tomorrow. Um, hopefully he won't be wearing short shorts. <laughs> it was so terrible. I cut those shorts. <laughs> and I cut the one side shorter than the other. It was so bad. can't believe we wore them. Um, Ross and I can have sex today. And we will wake up tomorrow morning and Russell wants sex tomorrow morning. I don't know if anyone else experiences the same thing. It's fine, he'll be here tomorrow. I've already told him. Ross can romance me today. He can take me out for dinner, give me a foot rub, run me a bubble bath, buy me the most gorgeous bunch of wildflowers that I've ever dreamed of. He can write me a poem and a love letter. He can sing me a song. And you know what? I can wake up tomorrow morning and I can want more. So why, why do I have this desire that for most days, in so many ways, feels like it doesn't get fully satisfied? I can never be fully met in the desire that I have for more. So what ends up happening so often is I feel like my will and my mind and my body are at war with, the soul, with my soul and with the word of God. And I know I, I don't really need another pair of shoes and I don't really need more chocolate, but these parts of my body myself, are crying out for more. I have this idea. What if the real reason that we feel like we never have enough is that because God isn't actually yet finished giving? What if the unceasing and limited capacity that I have for more is because God has an unlimited, unceasing ability to continue to give. When I was thinking about this this week, I was completely overwhelmed by the fact that where I am at war, where my soul is longing for more all the time and feels like it can't be satiated. In so many areas of my life, God created me to continually desire so that I would continually desire him. You know, because he didn't want me to wake up tomorrow morning and think I had some of God yesterday, so I don't need some of God today. But what ends up happening is I end up taking all these other appetites that I have, putting my focus on them and trying to feed them, trying to fill this hole that doesn't go away. And what it's actually supposed to be filled with is the presence of God. And you know what? The presence of God completely satisfies every longing you have. How incredibly merciful of Jesus that he would create us so well with such wisdom that the more we long for, if we just focus our eyes on him, the more he fills us. You see, because everything on earth will burn out. Everything on earth will fade away. There is nothing on earth that can continue on except 
the presence of God. The presence of God is unending, and it matches completely my desire for more, more of him. Matthew 16 says this, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The Passion Translation reads it like this, For even if you were to gain all the wealth and power of this world and everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life, what good would that be? And what could be more valuable to you than your soul? Girls, I think sometimes we try to trade in our soul for trying to get more. And God wants us to have more. He just wants us to have more of him. You know, the last two weeks, um, the state of my own soul and the irony of what I was going to be sharing today was not lost on me. I had this tension, this battle that was going on. I was busy. And look, I don't think Jesus has a problem with busyness. I think he had places to go and people to see most days. Jesus was busy. But I also think he got away for a while. I think he filled his soul up. You know, it's amazing. Jesus can completely identify with us. That's what makes him so unbelievable. He can identify with what it is to be human. So it means that he can identify with the feeling of wanting more. But he got his more from his father. When he wanted more, he went to his father. And this week, I really just started to zone in on, God, this feeling that I have of, of feeling like I'm too busy, there's so much stuff going on, I've got a schedule to get through, there's always another meeting to think about, I'm really just going to try and focus in on wanting more of you and of experiencing more of you. And on Tuesday this week, I had a meeting at City Hall, rushed to City Hall, drive around the block four times, can never find a parking, eventually find a parking, jump out the car, take very quick notice of the car guard, run into my meeting. And while I'm running across the road, I'm just thinking like, I, you know, I really hope this goes well. I can feel the tension of the spirit realm. I want to engage in peace. I'm trusting you, God. And at the same time, I can feel my soul at war with stress and anxiety. Anyway, meeting finishes. I'm walking back across the road. I'm grateful for the outcome. It's been a, a fairly good meeting. I'm walking to my car. And I look up at the car guard. I say, thank you. And right there, I'm confronted by more of God, by his presence, right there on the side of the street. You know what the more of his presence, Brother Lawrence would call it practicing the presence of God. The more right there that I experienced was that I got to minister and pray for this car God on the side of the road. And you know what? He got to experience the love of God. Right there, because I invited in, I submitted my soul to the direction of the Spirit, because I put my will and my mind and emotions under the aligning will of God, because in that moment where there was just like, if you want to call it a Holy Spirit nudge, or if I got kicked in the stomach, I was just like, oh, God, for this man, you've not destined him to be on the streets. And in that moment, my soul had integrity for what I was created to do. Not necessarily in amongst all the meetings that are going on in my day. But I realized the presence of God. My soul came into alignment. And it was kind of like a heaven touches earth moment. 
Everything lined up. And there was more of God in me. And so there was more of God out here. So my soul was stewarded well. And so the community around me got life. See, because remember, when we don't steward our soul well, not only do we miss out, but our community around us misses out too. Psalm 19, 7 says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Girls, the soul was made to love God and to do the will of God. The desire that you have for more, it's so that he can fill it. He wants to give you more. There is a stream that has been assigned to your care, which is under your rule and reign, ladies, which only you are completely responsible for. And for it to flow freely, for it to nourish yourself and those around you, the land that you live in, your community, your city, and this nation, you need to keep it clear of anything that becomes more important than God. The integrity of your soul, girls, is on you. Lining it up, keeping it healthy, submitting it to God, that's your choice.